We are unknown to ourselves, we men of knowledge, and with good reason. We have never sought ourselves. How could it happen that we should ever find ourselves? It has rightly been said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our treasure is where the beehives of our knowledge are. Frederick Nietzsche. Welcome to Millennial Mystics, a podcast about modern mysticism and the people making it theirs. Together, we explore all angles of mystical subjects for both beginning and advanced practitioners and bring marginalized voices front and center. Prepare to laugh, learn, and decondition. So grab a pen and your grimoire and let's get going. To follow along with today's episode, please go to mybodygraph.com and generate a human design chart of your very own. All right. So today we're talking about human design. This may be another long episode, but it's gonna be it's gonna be worth so much. It's gonna be like just you're gonna walk away with like a huge understanding of yourself and the way you can function in the world. Absolutely. And human design, I think it's going to be new for a lot of you. Um, I mean, it's a fairly new practice as it is. Um, but I think that it's going to be incredibly illuminating for a lot of um for a lot of people as far as like how they operate in the world. Um so yeah, definitely very yeah. valuable. I think you guys are really gonna love it. Yeah, it's it's I only discovered it like less than a year ago. I mean, Same. I, I, yeah. So, and it's one of those things that's, it's simultaneously very like easy to digest, but it's also really dense and you can get stuck in all of the muck. Like there's just, there's so many details. Oh like, yeah. It's yeah. very, very rich. <laughs> Yeah. But even just skimming the surface is so helpful. Like just Mm -hmm. knowing the basics like has really helped me and how I show up in my life and my relationships with other people like have definitely improved just from the little bit that I've learned. So our our only goal here is really to skim the surface. Like we want to touch on the important things, but like you could literally, like we could literally do a whole podcast on human design, like an entire series, which we're not going to do. Like they, that already exists, I'm sure. You're talking to a generator here. We may do that. <laughs> <laughs> a whole spin-off series just on human design. Listen, if I'm called to it, we might have to. <laughs> okay. All right. You're just calling the shots. I'm along for the ride. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not. We'll yeah. get into that. Why, why yeah. I'm not calling the shots, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so the- yeah, the background on human design. So it it's created by a dude named Ra'u Rahu. He came up with it in 1987 and he had an he was living 
on an island off the coast of Spain, I believe. And he had an Mm -hmm. eight-day meditation. And during that eight-day meditation, he channeled this entire system. And it is wild, folks. Like, first of all, I have so many questions. He's dead, so I can't ask them. But like, did you use the bathroom? What did you eat? Were you conscious? (laughs) Like, I I really just want to know about that. Yeah. But we don't know about that. All we know is that like, he came up with this system and he, there is a book, he wrote a book about it that is literally a textbook and it was co-authored with like his number two, like his Yeah, Linda Burnell, yeah. I think is her. Yes, and Linda she finished Burnell. it. And she's the one who's like in charge of now, I think like the, basically like the human design School. Like school. Yeah, yeah. The human like design school. International yeah. something. I, I can't remember exactly. I think it's that. Right. I think it's the international design school. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. We'll put it in there. Um, yeah. So anyway, you'll see like once you go down the rabbit hole, like goodbye. There's no, there's no yeah. coming out of it. No. Yeah. I mean. Our, yeah. And our, our goal on this episode, we're going to just, you know, talk about the different types, uh, their strategy. Like you're going to learn all of this lingo, but their ty- the types, their strategies, and then we're going to cover authorities as well. You're going to, and mm-hmm. you'll understand what this all is in a moment. Um, and I will say too, so the part of the reason why there's so much to digest about human design, the reason that it's so fucking rich is because it is an aggregate, it's astrology, it's I Ching, it's chakras, and it's tree of life. It's, it's literally all, everything. Yeah. It's the, they're all layered on top of each other in the most like mind blowing, profound way. Um, yeah. Which is why I like a hundred percent believe this was channeled because, like, oh yeah, I don't know how else you could come up with something like this. No, no, definitely it's, it's, divinely inspired. Absolutely, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, some resources for people if you want to dive into it more. The book um, that Ra Uruhu and Linda Bernal wrote, um, you can find that pretty easily. It's fifty dollars, um, but like, if you want to, if you really want the deep understanding, like, there's really no yeah. substitute. Honestly, it's true. Yeah, it, it covers absolutely every aspect of it. So, if you want to know this as well as possible, that's a good way to go. If that is a cost that you can't um make or, or don't won't. want to yeah, or won't <laughs> or won't there's the internet you know yeah there are plenty of free resources um one of my favorite favorites is a website um a blog called interior creatures which we'll link below um i absolutely love the way that she lays yes. everything out so easy to digest she is also a generator so like maybe that's partially why it speaks yeah to you're me. biased I might be a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, it's a, but it, no, it is a, it's the go-to blog, I would say. Like, it's just so well organized mm-hmm. and um, very relatable, super yeah. relatable too. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not um, super weighty as far as the, the material that's presented. Um, very real world. And if you don't like reading, um, there's Jenna Zoe who has... She's like the modern day expert and she's, although she has beef with the, well, she doesn't have beef. The school of human design has beef with her because a lot of her knowledge is channeled as well. So, but her stuff is fantastic. You'll see she's been on tons of podcasts, maybe ours at some point. Let's, we'll have to reach out to her and get her on here. (laughs) So 
she's she's got lots of stuff out there and her resources she's got she does videos that you can buy like for deep dives into things and she breaks it into all different types of topics and her stuff is very affordable so her videos are like less than fifty dollars so yeah yeah and her um instagram is also full of tons of free content she does yep. ask me anything mm-hmm. all the time um yep. So and she she's got a podcast herself, and they're short. It's like fifteen minute episodes. Oh, are like they twenty minute episodes? Yeah, yeah, like ten minute episodes. So huh. that's like easily digestible. And then she's got a Facebook community around that as well. So you can get tons of you can get, and that that is a very knowledgeable group of people who are all into the human design. So they're they're pretty responsive to stuff. Yeah. yeah. So plenty of free resources out there if you want to, you know, dip your toes into this very, very deep pool. (laughs) Yeah. And what's interesting is that like human design, even though it's like astrologically based, like in all of this old world, like all these old world systems, it seems to be the thing that is most relied upon is like even companies like finds this to be like, I'm talking like corporate companies. Yeah. Yeah, they treat they it almost it like your MBTI test. Yeah, the Myers Briggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they it, they do, and like they some some companies have even like hired like human design experts to like help them interact, like their employees interact in a more productive way. It's right. very cool, and you'll understand a bit of why that is when we get into each of the types. But it is it can be very very related to how you work and why you work and what you work on. Um, and that can be a tool that's used by people who, you know, need a workforce. Um, but yeah, definitely good perspective for, for your own personal work too. Yeah. Very cool. So let's jump into it. Let's jump into the types. Yeah. So first we have manifestors. Um, then we have generators. And there is a subgroup of generators called manifesting generators, which can get kind of confusing for, for people, but we'll we'll get into it um, you know, as best as we can in a sort of foundational episode. Um, and then after manifesting generators, you have projectors, and the last group is reflectors. So we'll introduce manifestors first. Absolutely. Yeah. So manifestors. So I have little ways to remember the types based on their auras. Mm. So like my thing for manifestors is, well, you know what? Hold on. Let's say, first of all, manifestors, this is different. This is like manifestors with a capital M. Everyone can manifest. This is a term of art in human design. So this doesn't mean if you're not a manifester, it doesn't mean you're not capable of manifestation. This is just like what this type, it's just like the capital M manifester, not like lowercase m manifester, which we all are. Correct. Yes. Important distinction. But anyway, yeah. So the auras. So I have a little way of like kind of thinking about the energy that each type has. And for manifestors, I say their aura is like a whip. They can either use a whip to like repel people or they can use a whip to like wrap around them and bring them in closer. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. yeah, Cause it's so, it's so like one or the other. So if Mm -hmm. you're a manifestor, you're probably like used to people either loving you or hating you. Right. Right. Um, 
So an example of this, and we'll have to, we've mentioned him a couple of times now at this point, but my dad is a manifester. Which is he is. He is, yeah. And it's the least surprising thing on the planet. He is such a manifester. And he's somebody who really lives his design without even knowing what human design is. As soon as I was walking him through his chart, we were both like, yup. Yup. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, he's somebody who's really been able to, to trust and tap into his own energy. Um, so yeah, good example of that. Yeah. So man, I think the most important thing to understand about manifestors is their energy is that they can basically like, uh, start anything like they're, yeah. they're they create their reality essentially yeah. they're initiators they're the initiators. they're the yeah. yeah they're the people that um you know you've met a manifester when they are the kind of person that comes up with an idea that seems out of nowhere and everybody's like i can't believe you thought of that that's brilliant let's try it you know yeah. that's <laughs> that's a manifester the on the other side of that coin, you also know a manifester when it's somebody who you could possibly describe as flighty and they just do what they want and they don't have consideration about other people that are involved in their decisions. I would say less flighty and more like it's it's more that like they seem a little self-centered or they can seem self-centered because it's like they get ideas in their head and they and they go for it. Right. You know, and they don't, and they're like, and that actually leads in really well to their strategy, which is to inform. Is that it? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The strategy for a manifestor is to inform and, and what that means. So your type is one of the five that we mentioned. So the type here is manifestor. Your strategy is kind of how you live as your type. Um, and so the strategy to inform would be for a manifestor, when they get an idea, all they have to do is tell someone. That's literally it. that. Yeah. That's it. Just tell someone. And what's funny is that a lot of manifestors struggle with that. Yeah. Well, that, and I think that that's because a lot of manifestors have experienced pushback depending on um, how they're going about informing. So if they've already started acting on their idea, and tell and inform people around them after that's already started, then they're going to get pushback because people don't feel appreciated, like their opinions don't matter. Um, And for a projector, for example, which we'll get into projectors, like you want to pull in a projector opinion. Um, Just because you have the idea doesn't mean that that's the only way that it's going to unfold. Um, So manifestors will shut down when they don't, don't, really lean into the strategy in the correct order. Right. So you have to like, when you get an idea and to be clear, it's not asking for permission. It's not one of those. It's more like, Hey, I got this idea and I'm going to do it. That's, that's literally it. Like I got this idea and I'm going to do it. I got this Um, idea. I think that you would be a great person to help me with it. Or I think it's an idea I can execute on my own, but can I ask you questions if I need it? You know, like that sort of thing. But before you start execution, before you start moving your body, tell someone that's it. Yeah, that's it. And that's like, you could even just tell your mom, like just tell anyone energetically, just tell someone. (laughs) 
yeah, moms and mom friends are perfect for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yes. then they're like, you get it, honey. You can do anything. Yep. If your yeah. mom is chill, I mean, like some people don't have those moms, but I'll be your mom. You can come to me. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell me about it. Jesse's very good mom friend for those of you who need one. Yeah. So what some famous manifestors, yes. um, we've got Johnny Depp is one, Richard mm-hmm. Burton, George W., Mm. um hitler sorry guys um yeah i don't know about this list so far (laughs) yeah sorry this is like a really problematic list from the internet well here we go frida kahlo oh what a she's a beautiful example of a manifester wow yes Yes. there we go yeah yeah we can definitely like use her she's like a manifesting queen manifester queen she's your icon right there major witch energy with with her Oh yeah, no. When she wants a world, she creates it. That's that. But she told people. She was like very open. She was like always telling people what oh, yeah. was up. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Also, um, Jack Nicholson. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Huh. Orson Welles. Oh, what a good example. Yeah, Holy that's shit. another good one. Oh yeah. wow, yeah, that's a great example of a manifester. Oh my god. Yeah, and Susan Sarandon. Very, mm. Which I, I would not have guessed that, but I see it. I see it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, anything else that we need to touch on with manifestors? No, I think that that pretty much covers everything that people need to know. If you're a manifester, just make sure that you know that you're informing people around you when you get your ideas, but love your ideas because they are ones that we all need. You, that's that's the big important takeaway, I think, from human design is that we need all of these types. Um, It's for projects um, or for just like evolution of humanity. We need all of these types to work together. We need a manifestor to come up with ideas. We need, and we'll get into it a little bit more when we talk about each of the types, but we need generators to execute them. We need projectors to tell us, you know, how we're doing, how we're doing. And then we need reflectors to see if it's actually, you know, impacting us in a healthy way. Um, but we'll get into that a bit more. And, and, um, in another episode, I think we can talk about, you know, the types in relation to each other, um, Ooh, one thing sake. we should mention, one yeah. thing we should mention when you can tell you're not like in your energy, you're not like living your design. If you're angry as a manifester, that's the yes. thing that comes up. Yeah. You'll feel angry specifically. That is the specific emotion that will come up. So that's why you'll find when you start informing people of your ideas, that angry feeling will go away. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and not, if you, yeah, if you're not, finding not forever, but yeah. No, no. I mean, we, we do. And the thing is that anger for a manifester is a good sort of, um, beacon. It's a, it's a really great, it's a great reminder. Like, Hey, you're not going the direction that's best for you right now. Um, or like you are not going to be happy if you do this, this way, you know, as soon as you feel that anger come up, you say, okay, let me look back. Let me see where I could have informed and let me make the changes that I need to in this process. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Just take that, all of that energy, all of that, you know, not self um, is a reflection. You need to reflect on why you're feeling that anger because you can absolutely mitigate it. Yeah. 
And I think from here, I think we should go into generators, even though we have manifesting generators, because I think we need yeah. to talk about the two types in order I've, to discuss that type. Correct. Yeah. I think it's important to start with, with generator because otherwise, um, yeah, the, the context for why manifesting generators are slightly different is, is going to be um, important. Yeah. I'll let you take that one since you're a generator. So you, oh. you kind of give us the the overview. Well, I will. Okay. Hold on. I'll say my aura thing for this. Please. For the aura um, generators, your aura is like, it's just like almost like a bubble on the outside of you. It's like light just emanating off of you and, and it just traps whoever gets close to you. Like people are just drawn to you naturally. You're almost like the sun. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so generator, um, yeah, I think that that's a great analogy for it. So the aura for a generator is going to be fairly large um, and like touch everything around it. It's not going to be focused. Um, and that's because generator energy, what generators are... Um, meant to do, and you can kind of get, uh, garner this from the name, is generate. They're creatives. They they make something out of nothing. Um, if you want to liken it to a tarot card, um, the magician is major generator energy. Like it's just pulling everything from all of their resources and making something new and, and building generators are, are major builders. And that's not necessarily only in the physical sense. Um, so they're the ones that do all of the groundwork and for generators, um, part of the reason why that name was chosen is because energetically we're meant to, burn through huge reserves of energy. I mean, you wake up and if you're working on something that really lights your soul, you will work and work and work and work until you are out of energy and ready to go to bed. Um, and if you wake up tired as a generator, it is a huge sign that you are not putting your energy where it needs to go. That yeah. if you are also, already- Yeah, also if you think you're sick all the time, that's another one. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's just your energy is being sucked out um, by something that is is not supposed to go to. The strategy for a generator is to respond. And that can be kind of a confusing thing to be told if you're new to this. Like, am I supposed to just wait until somebody says something for me to respond to? No, it is not that. A strategy in action for a generator that is to respond, you are constantly responding to things all day long. I am looking at my computer screen and I'm responding to what I'm seeing. I can wake up and respond to a dream that I just had, which you know is interesting energy because I'm not initiating anything and yet there's still something there for me to respond to. Um, so it's it's responding to your environment and it is responding to people around you. People will come to you. And when you're really living in your type, um, because of how bright and, um, all encompassing generator energy can be, people will come to you with things to respond to. So for example, I mean, a perfect example for this is me responding to you, Jesse, about this podcast. You yeah. brought me the idea and I responded. And in my generator way, I was like, oh my God, that fucking lights me up. Let's do it. 
So the important thing with the generator is that like when you're when you're responding to things, you have to really tap into like almost your instinct. It needs to be like fuck yes, fuck no. Like, how does your body respond to shit? Like, you know, do you feel it in your body? It has to be, yes. For generators, it has to be fuck yes or fuck no. And if it's a maybe, you need to wait. You're not responding. It's, there is a like sort of guttural reaction and I'm pretty well known for it. I, you know, if somebody says something to me, I'm like, uh, or if it's something I love, I'm like, Oh, oh, you know, like I have those really strong nonverbal reactions when something is something I should respond to or should not. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely pretty key for generators. You will feel it. You will know if you don't have that, you need to wait and maybe have the question rephrased. Um, so if I've got like an, Oh, or a maybe, or an, I don't know. I need the question rephrased usually, or I need to wait a little while and and give it some space and have it come back. Um, yeah, my sister's a generator. And like knowing that, like when she's on the fence about things, like I was asking her, like, what do you want me to make for your birthday cake? I had to, like, she was having trouble being like, yes, no, yes, no. So we took it back to said, I want you to answer, uh-huh or uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And I just like would list flavors and she was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And then finally oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, what about a mocha cake? And she was like, uh-huh, yes. <laughs> like that was like, you know, it was like she had, you always have to bring it back to um, almost that like, yeah, like that, those nonverbal like communications. That's Absolutely. the best way. So, like, mm. read, like asking yourself, it's great when you're struggling with, with a decision. My sister does this. She will ask herself like questions she already knows the answers to. Do I love coffee? Uh huh. Do I like this? Uh uh-uh. uh. And then she'll ask her, ask herself, do I want to do this? And then it's like she'll know instinctually it's uh huh or uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She's, she was also like always getting like, that was a thing when she was a kid. It was like, use your words. Yes or no. Don't say, yeah, don't say, yeah. That she, people, my parents would tell her that all the time. I am lucky enough. And I mean, you guys will know this pretty well about me, um, with all of my Scorpio energy that like nonverbal, like either a glower or like a jump up to start action <laughs> yeah, will be, um, a pretty good indicator of, of my energy. And I was lucky enough to not be pushed into verbal responses. So yeah. tapping into my nonverbal responses is pretty easy once I, you know, really started leaning into my type. Um, but yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, that is really common for people who are born as generators. And the majority of people are generators. It's something like 60 something percent of the population are generators. Um, that like we are forced to use our words and we're not supposed to. You know things in your gut as a generator. Yeah. And it is okay to not respond immediately with words. You can after you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Yep. That's it. You know, as soon as you have that fuck yes Mm -hmm. feeling, then you can say, yes, that's what I want to do. Use your words afterwards, but really get back in touch with that, you know, that, um, much more primal for lack of a better word response. Yeah. 
And if you're not living according to your sign, you're frustrated. That's the big emotion you feel oh, as a God. generator. Absolutely. Frustration is is a huge indicator. As soon as I'm feeling frustrated with something, I step way back and I need to have the questions to respond to again. So it will be either like I am feeling frustrated and I need to stop working on it or I am feeling frustrated and really it's because I should be working on something tangential to it or I need to have a different approach that my approach is is what's frustrating. Um, And I have to step back and respond to that. You literally have to put your work down put your shit down, step back and have something else to respond to when you are frustrated. Stop working. Yeah. Also for all of you who hate the chase and dating, here's your official excuse to not make the first move. You don't have to. Yeah. Wait for those manifestors, but they don't get, don't get complicated. Energetic, energetic. You can take energetic invitations, but again, remember it's fuck yes or fuck no. There's no in between. There's no maybe for generators. Mm -hmm. No, if there is a maybe ask again. Yeah. Ask later. Be the magic eight ball. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Outlook. What was it? Out. No, there was Outlook. Not good. There was um. Yeah, they had like a try again later. I loved my Magic yeah. Eight Ball. The then, thing I used it all the time. I have one floating around the house. Um, that is a D twenty for all of you Dungeons and Dragons nerds out there. That's funny. And all of the responses on it are related to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, this is a this is perfect so we can get into manifesting generators. So now we know yes. about manifestors and generators, and we're going to discuss manifesting generators. Yes. So they are technically generators, but they are definitely a different energetic type on it. They are energetically, their aura is less focused. Do you have an analogy for that? I do. I say they're a shooting star. Oh, fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I have good analogies for these. So it's like your your light is still emanating out in all directions, but you're like rushing in a direction. At yes. one, like, like, so anybody who's around you is going to like feel that energy and that aura, but you're speeding towards something at all times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. My youngest brother's an, an MG, as they say. My yeah. youngest sister is an MG. Your youngest, your young sister, you said? Your youngest yeah. sister? Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. So basically, like, I always say, as soon as someone finds out they're a manifesting generator, I'm like, you're about to feel so much better when I tell you about yourself. <laughs> because basically, like, you guys are meant you guys are meant to like flit from one thing to another. All right. You're not supposed to be committed to shit. You're just supposed to like follow your instincts. You're supposed to like, you're supposed to not commit. Like you're supposed to just like explore whatever it is you want to explore and like move on. Like that's it. Cause you'll learn what you need to learn. And then that's it. Yeah. And the other thing about it too, is that you do still want to take away that generator piece that you are going to work on it until you don't have the energy anymore. And then when you're out of the energy, something else is going to come up. That's going to light that energy back up and you're going to move right towards it. And that's, I would say like energetically an important distinction between generators and manifestors is that generators, their response is going to be slower. They need to process it a little bit more. They need to digest it. Um, 
literally and figuratively, whereas manifestors have, or manifesting generators, my apologies, are going to have a much more direct line to action. Um, there, it's going to be a much quicker transition. They don't need to digest it as quickly or as slowly as a um, traditional generator. I always say it's like you have to, it's almost like a, even though your strategy as an MG is technically the same as a generator, it's still like, you know, wait to respond. I always say it's like, wait to respond and tell someone. It's like, you get really excited. It's like, oh my God, I just like this thing happened and I'm going to respond to it. And you're like, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Like, it's like that, you know, yeah. you, it's just that immediate, yeah. like move, move towards something that's shooting yeah. star energy. Yeah. But energetically, so informing is definitely going to be useful for manifesting generators, but I don't think that they meet quite the same resistance that, oh, for sure. Manifestors. Yeah. So like, if you are an MG, you can just start on the project. Just oh, go yeah, right yeah. ahead, dive in. in. Um, if you find that you're getting resistance, if you find that you're getting frustrated by just diving into things, try informing people too. Um, you have that um, great sort of access to throat energy. So use your voice. That's okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good, like, it's a ba- almost like a backup strategy. It's like, you know, you've got your strategy one and then strategy one A. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's going to feel slightly different than what a generator is going to experience. So a generator is going to get that, uh uh-huh, or uh uh-uh, you know, whereas a manifester is going to bypass that entirely or a manifesting generator. Why do I keep doing that? Um, Say MG, MG, it'll be easier. MG, MG. Yes. An MG is going to bypass that uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh entirely. You're not going to need that. You're just going to dive right in. Um, So don't feel like you need to sit and wait and get that gut reaction. If you're already moving towards doing it, if you're like, oh my God, let's do it, you know, yeah, then just go for it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. But the re- like the reason you guys are like, you really struggle to live in the world because what you've heard your entire life is like, you rush into things and then you never finish them. You abandon your projects. And like, you know, this is just another thing. Like, you know, sit and think about it. You're don't listen to those people. Like this is literally how you were born. And yeah, it's absolutely. okay. Yeah. Just jump in. And if you feel like, if you really feel like you want to have that stick to have something else to respond to, like your traditional generator brothers and sisters, and you know, have those questions asked of you again. And if you feel pulled to start acting on it again, do it. If you don't feel pulled, then you need to abandon the project. Yep, that's just how it goes. That's but give yourself permission to like be okay like that. Like you're you're chill. You're fine. You're supposed to be that way. And it's all going to come together one day. And that's the thing that MGs don't realize is that they're so multi-passionate and they're pulled in so many directions and they've explored so many different careers and interests and hobbies. It's going to make sense one day. You just don't know when it's going to click. Right. And I mean, there is a flip side of that. So my sister is an MG and she is really leaning into her career. She's only ever had the one and she's been doing it for years since, since high school. Um, and so that energy doesn't always doom you to being somebody who, you know, bounces between things and doesn't have like a consistent resume. If you feel like dealing with, you know, the career 
nonsense with it. Um, it's more that you need to try everything that interests you. You need to try it. If you don't finish it, that's okay. But if you feel pulled to something, just play with it. Yeah. Yeah. So people who, um, oh, I don't know that we listed celebrities other than myself for generators. Oh, for generators. Yeah. That's right. I, well, this is fine because now we can list them out together, the generators and manifesting generators. So okay. pure generators, um, Albert Einstein mm, is yeah, one. I shocking. think that's so great. Yeah. yeah Elvis I mean, Presley, I think mm. is another great example. Yeah. Um, Meryl Streep. Mm. perfect like how many oscars has she been nominated for she like beat she's beaten she's beat katherine hepburn's record now i think it's like 16 17 oh yeah um john lennon madonna james dean carl young mm. oprah oprah's a generator oprah's a generator that makes amazing. so much sense to amazing. me yeah. yeah it does um margaret thatcher and deepak Chopra? Is that how you say his last name? Deepak yeah. Chopra. Yeah. And then um, famous MGs. We've got, oh, one more thing I want to say about MGs real quick. There's a still frustration, right? It, they're still frustrated. Correct. If they're not, if you're not living in your design, you'll be frustrated just like a generator is. So yes. yeah. So rewind, go follow that advice. So famous MGs, we've got uh, Chopin, uh, Mary Curie, Hillary Clinton, Clint Eastwood, hmm. Freud, that Ooh. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, me. that yeah. one does make a lot of sense. Yeah, Gandhi, an MG, also. Oh, makes sense that's to me. that's a perfect example of an MG. Wow. Yeah, Marie Antoinette huh. is another one. Interesting. Yeah, there is. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev. Ah. Uh-huh. Jimi Hendrix. Pope John Paul II. Janis Joplin. Oh wow. Um, Nietzsche is like one of my favorite philosophers, but anyway, um, uh, Nixon, Yoko Ono, very interesting. So Yoko was an MG and John Lennon was a, a, a generator. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny. I like it. That is funny. Uh, Prince was an MG. That makes a lot of sense. Oh to me. man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Jackie um, O was also one. Um, Martin Luther King, an oh, MG. Wow. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's a very good example of an MG for yep. sure. And um, Van Gogh. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, and that'll come up with pretty much any of these examples of generators and MGs is that they are just doers. They are prolific doers, and um, you know, people who really live in their type and strategy in generator and MG. Um, they're like your jack of all trades, your renaissance person, you know, they just, they're so um, versatile. It's kind of the difference between like Elvis and Prince. You have these both really talented artists, but like Elvis kind of like had the one or two different types of musical sounds. Like he kind of stayed pretty consistent, whereas Prince was all over the map. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Or and even like, yeah, Van Gogh. I mean, you talk oh. about like all over the place with this art. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like Einstein who just created so much. Prolific. Yeah. Very prolific. Um, and 
It should be noted that because generators and manifesting generators make up the majority of the population, they're going to have the most celebrities listed. When we get to um, projectors and reflectors, they're not going to have as many yeah. celebrities. Don't feel bad. It's just because you're, you know, rarer. You're a rarer type. Yep. Yeah. Special, special angel. So this is perfect timing for us to take projectors. Yes. You want to yeah. need that one? I will. So my projector friend. Yeah. And, um, oh, okay. So projectors. So the way I like to think of our auras is a laser beam. Mm. So we see straight into the hearts of other people. So if you're a projector, chances are you have been the person, probably the person everyone comes to for advice. And you always know what people need to do to like get their shit together. Like you're just like that person, that friend, but you're also the person that like your siblings are like, don't tell me what to do. Your <laughs> friends like get really frustrated with you because it's like, if you give the advice and that I'm going to jump straight into our strategy, which is waiting to waiting for the invitation because basically we've been gifted with all of this wisdom. Uh, Jenna Zoe uses the analogy of like the projectors of the birds and the trees telling the animals on the ground, like what's ahead, like what's going on. And I think that's a, a great analogy because yeah. we, we're basically like designed to like know what's up. We yeah. see things very clearly that other people don't. And our curse, <laughs> it's like our curse that like, unless it's invited and asked for, nobody wants to hear it. That's yeah. how it goes. So waiting for the invitation is key. And that was something that really helped me because when I heard, okay, you're not supposed to give unsolicited advice, basically, it, it helped me because I was kind of like, okay, well, but like what? I, but I know, I know what they need. And I just kind of had to, I learned to hold my tongue. And what's amazing is that the more I held my tongue, the more people came to me mm-hmm. for advice rather than me feeling like a parent to people all the time where it was like, you know, my, my brothers would call me a nag and all this stuff. And like, I just kind of had to make peace with this thing about me that like, I'm not meant to just like give unsolicited advice. I'm supposed to just, you know, wait until people want to hear it. And the main thing that a lot of people have when they find out their projector and they have to wait for the invitation, the next question is like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do until I get the invitation? Mm. It feels like, especially if you're an entrepreneur, a business owner or something like that, like you, it's like, oh, so what? I can't market. I can't like reach out to people. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Like it's, it can definitely be energetic. So like, for example, Um, And you just really have to get in touch with your intuition as a projector, like just get really in touch with that. So like, for example, say like you're like, you've got an online business and you have like one person who's kind of stalking you, like they show up to all your lives or they're like always commenting on your stuff, always liking things like, you know, there's, there's usually somebody like that you could take that as an invitation. Like they're here, they're like tuned into my stuff. I can reach out to them. 
And the other thing is that you're supposed to be doing things you love in the meantime for the sake of loving them and just putting it out there. So like blogging, that's a perfect example. Like just blog because you like having a blog, not because you're trying to make it like a huge thing. And when you kind of tap into that energy of like, I have this business because I love it, or I do this hobby because I love it, or I do my art because I love it. And I just share it with other people. Like I I show it online. I tell people about it. I just talk about what I love to do. People start to flock to you. You you turn that aura into a type of magnet. So right. that's the way you, you um, almost solicit invitations is by showing up as your authentic self and just doing things because you love them sharing about them openly, which can be really weird for a projector, especially if you've been told like, don't tell me what to do your whole life. This isn't about telling people what to do. It's like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. And like, here's how it's working out. And like, I really love it. And like, look at the progress of this art piece or whatever. You're just going to put it out there in the world for people to enjoy regardless of the response. And then you kind of start magnetizing those invitations to you. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And if you think about, um, I think the blog is a great example of this. If you are writing a blog, you're, if you're doing it for, you know, the quote unquote right reasons, um, you're writing because you are interested in that topic and not because you think anybody's going to read it. Like if you want to yeah. be, if you want to be happy as a blogger, do not expect anybody to read it. Just write it because you want Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I actually, I had this problem with my Instagram. I think this is a great um, example because, you know, as you guys know, I'm a life coach and a lot of my clients find me via social media. And for months I was almost trying to like crack the code. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, what's going to be the right caption or the right topic to talk about that's going to like get me in front of people's eyeballs and they're going to like, it's going to resonate with them. It was like, I was writing, trying to write for like an ideal, like for what I thought people wanted to see. And the second I said, you know what, this isn't fucking working. I'm just going to write about whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to talk about whatever I want and just like do it from a place of like, here's what I feel like I want to talk about. Here's what I enjoy. Here's what I love it just like, it was an overnight change. It like just clicked into place. So that's a good example. You can't like with the blog, you can't write the blog because you're trying to like get traction. You have to just like write because you like the topic. Like Kaylee was saying, you have to, you like the topic and you want to write about it and talk about it. You, you got to do it from a place of, um, of it being like a genuine love. Right. Right. And if you're the only person that reads it, then you still and that's love fine. It. Yeah, exactly. You have to be like, okay with that. Yeah. I gave up on like trying to like, I was like, you know, I'm not trying to get more followers. Fuck it. Like, I'm just going to like write whatever I want and the right people will find me and the right people and the wrong people will leave. So right. I just started doing that and it, and it really like it, yeah, changed overnight. That's great. Yeah. What is, um, how does it show up if you're not living in your type? What is oh, the experience? You're bitter. You are a bitter bitch. <laughs> that is, and it was so funny because it was like, I was mislabeling the emotion I was experiencing. I kept saying I was frustrated and I wasn't. I was so bitter. I was fucking salty to my core. That's how I felt before. And it was just like that bitterness. That's a, a perfect example of that is like when you're giving that unsolicited advice and then you see things play out the way you said they would, you feel bitter over that. 
So like if you're feeling bitter a lot of the time, generally it's because you're not waiting for the invitation. Yeah. Another good example is like that feeling of like, why do they have it and I don't? Like, what is it that they're doing right and I'm doing wrong? Like that kind of bitterness too, also a great example. Like you need to just like focus on you doing what you love yeah. and like just trusting and being patient that the invitations are going to flow in. Absolutely. And the thing that I find with projectors too is that they're meant to be an expert in something. You're supposed to have oh, something yeah. that's like you are the person. Um, And when you are the person and you're doing it because you love it, the invitations are going to come. When somebody knows like, oh my God, Jesse's that person that I go to for this great coaching. I know that Jesse does this coaching. It's going to come. And that can be any sort of aspect, you know, you could be an expert in, you know, I don't know, um, bread making. Yeah. Maybe you make and, fantastic bread. Yeah. And you teach and other people to make fantastic bread. Can you tell that we're recording this during quarantine? Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Yes. So, and, and people will know like, oh, how did you get your starter to work? Like mine just keeps getting gross. And you know, that that's projector energy. People are just going to come to you because they know that you've done it. You, they know that you're the expert. Right. Like for example, with me, before I became a coach, everybody came to me about how to find a job, how to network their way to a job, how to like do their resume and their cover letters. And they would all like people, like that was everything they did because I, I'm not a natural networker. So I had to come up with a system that I could replicate every time I was looking for a new job. Cause I was like, I know it's all who, you know, how do I get to know people? Like, how do I know them? And so I created a system that worked. And then that's the system I started teaching others. When I became a coach, I went in from the career aspect. Now, obviously I do more than that. I also do business stuff, but that's because like, again, I had to like go through a bunch of shit to figure out a process that works for me. And now I'm an expert in getting a business off the ground or getting it to up level. Right. So. Yeah. And I think that that's um, definitely an important distinction with projectors too, is that they're pattern finders and that they are um, system makers. Yeah, for they sure. Really, yeah. They, and it's more of like discovery, um, you know, like a generator will build the operational part of mm-hmm. things. They'll, they'll lay the structure, but the projector is the one that comes up with how it should be structured. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really like, you see that a lot in, um, the celebrities who yeah. are projectors. So famous projectors, I'm going to do the highlights. So like Salvador Dali, Oh, wow. Great example, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, it, it's, oh, he's like an expert in what he did. It's like when you think of surrealist art, you think of Dali. That's the first right. person you think of. Um, on the, in the other vein of that, um, Castro. So that's like something wow. that's like not great. Like not, it wasn't a great thing, but he was like definitely an expert in his own shitty way. Mm. Um, but he built a system, you know, there's no arguing that. Yeah. You also have um, Princess Diana is a projector. 
And, you know, if we talk about like, she just totally revamped the royal family. The way we see the royal family today is largely because of her influence. Right. And like turning them into more philanthropists than anything else. Right. So without without her, I think we would have... Oh yeah, they, no. They she gone. she yeah. really thought about the systems and the structures that were in in that, and um, completely revolutionized those for sure. Yeah, and I'll list off the other fun ones. So, like Queen Elizabeth II, which also interesting because she revolutionized uh, the royal family as well in her own way when she took the throne. Right. Um, Mick Jagger, Joseph Stalin. Ooh. There's another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh Ringo Starr. Ooh. From the Beatles. Yeah. Osho. That's a huge example. That one's yeah. crazy. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Osho's definitely a projector. It, remind me, Ra Uruhu was a projector, yes? Yes. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Napoleon, hmm. Woody Allen, mm. Elizabeth Taylor, mm. James Joyce. Barbara Streisand, Ulysses S. Grant. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Douglas MacArthur. Can you hear my generator responses? Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Demi Moore and Tony Blair. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. I wonder how, what um, percentage of uh, folks that, you know, are in positions of power are projectors. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, also Obama. Obama's a projector. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can which, see that. Yeah, which reminds me, that's a perfect um, juxtaposition to Donald Trump as an MG. Yeah. Which you can definitely see. I mean, like, yeah, he's, I'm not going to hide it. He's a piece of shit. Okay. Like I'm not, I'm not playing that game of like, I respect all your politics. No, I don't bitch. All right. Trump is trash. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can't argue that he has tons of different interests. He's had tons of success in floating to different projects. I mean, arguable success we could get into. Yeah, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say success. What I would say though, is that he is successful in not listening to anybody and doing whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. And then seeing a result from that. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's gotten his version of success. Right. It's using the MG energy for the powers of evil. Yeah. Perfect (laughs) example. Yeah. And then you can see how Obama, like, you know, just totally different, very, um, he thought about things very differently. I mean, like he created a whole, a whole healthcare initiative. That's like, right. And he did, he wasn't responding to things. He was analyzing things and when his opinion was asked, gave it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I wonder what Michelle is. Yeah. I kind of, now I kind of want to Google it, but I'll let you go. I'll let you start on reflectors. And then meanwhile, I will Google Michelle Obama's human design. <laughs> um, okay. So our next type is reflectors and reflectors are a v- particularly rare type um, in human design. They're only about 1% of the population. And when you see a reflector chart, um, if you you know start pulling up charts and actually looking at the physical charts of them, um, it's very, very clear when you're looking at a reflector. So without getting into the nitty gritty of what's going in the charts, basically reflectors energetically are going to be the 
kind of energy that we all see ourselves through, hence the name reflector. So they are completely reflecting back the the quality of the environment that they're in. If a reflector is unhappy or unwell in any way, that is completely a um an indication of the quality of the environment and that they're in and the people that they're around. If you don't like a reflector, it's because you don't like something about yourself. Their strategy is waiting on entire lunar cycle. That's their strategy. And for and I see their aura, their aura is a the moon, really. That's what it is. Is reflecting right. the light of the sun. Right. Right. Absolutely. That is a great analogy for them. I mean that's that's um it is kind of like a cooling energy too. So I know a reflector and it's, it's uncanny. Like I, before looking at his chart, um, experienced a lot of that reflector energy. So we were having some small talk just about our weekend, I believe. And he had said something in response to small talk that was like profoundly hitting my core for something very difficult that I was going through. And it just came up randomly in us talking about the weather over the weekend or what we did or something like that. And he had this amazingly profound insight. And reflectors will have an uncanny way of doing that. They will have a way of seeing us in a way that we might not be willing to see ourselves. Um, and it's as soon as I pulled up his chart and we realized that he was a reflector and I gave him that feedback of wait the lunar cycle to make decisions on things. He implemented it the first month and immediately was like, yep, this works. I am doing this for the rest of my life. I'm never taking another approach. And to be clear, this is like big decisions. You don't have to like wait a whole lunar cycle to decide if you want to go to brunch. Right, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but you should definitely pay attention to if you are making decisions about these things and you're miserable when you do them. Yeah, yeah. That's a good, th- good thing to keep in mind, especially because reflectors like you know, and we don't want to get into the energy centers because it's like, that's a whole rabbit hole we don't need to explore, but because they're wide open, they get tired really easily. Yeah. Like you essentially have no motor. Unless they're around generators. Right. Yeah. In which case, like you're like your generators, like literally a generator hooked up to your house, like after a hurricane, like that's right. what's going on. Exactly. So. And the other thing about it too, I, so they're, um, they're, when they're not living in their strategy, their reaction is um, disappointment. Mm-hmm. And if you are doing things, like say you decide to go to brunch and you get there and you're completely disappointed with, you know, whatever aspect, whether it's the company that you're there with or the food that you ordered or the atmosphere of the place, like if you are disappointed, then you're not living in your strategy. And it's not that you need to take 28 days to think about brunch, but maybe you need to take 28 days to think about your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Or where you live. Maybe this city or town that you're living in is actually not right for you. And if you find over the course of the 28 days that you are consistently disappointed with every aspect of your friends, get new friends. If you're consistently um, disappointed with every aspect of your town or your city, move. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do it. That's just a go. great way to do it. Yeah. So disappointment is like a huge red flag for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say like, basically like with these different auras and kinds of uh, motors and stuff, like there's definitely a scale of like, who's got the energy and who doesn't, you know, yes. like manifestors, MGs, generators, you guys have plenty of energy. Right. Um, projectors and reflectors, we tired all the yeah. time. <laughs> Get your sleep. And that's yeah. not to say that, you know, you're not going to run into, um, you know, projectors who, you know, need normal amount of sleep. You know, they're not necessarily always, you know, the people who have to take naps, um, but they're going to be limited in it. You know, it depends on the rest of their chart. Um, just like there are going to be generators who need to sleep in. Yeah. And, you know, aren't, you know, the rise with the sun kind of people. Um, And that's going to come up in in different areas. And it's also going to be related to what they're working on. Um, If what they're working on needs the dark quiet of the night, then they'll be your night owls. Um, you know, but, um, they may not get started until halfway through the day. Yeah. That's my sister for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like projectors, a thing that we forgot to mention is that they say like projectors are not designed to work which is really funny to me um, because I've always been accused of being lazy. Like, (laughs) and I am, I love it. I embrace it. I'm, I'm an expert at relaxing. Um, But all that means, what's funny is that like when people hear that, they're like, yes, awesome. But like, also how do I live on the physical plane? And really like what they're, what the real thing is, is that we're only supposed to like be doing hard work in the sense of like, like for me, this would be like the boring shit that I have to do, like invoices and contracts and scheduling and stuff like that. Like you're only supposed to be doing like those things, like up to like four hours. Um, the rest of your day is supposed to be spent learning. Like you're supposed to be researching and analyzing and learning. That's what your day looks like. So it's a little different than like, it doesn't mean like, oh, you're not designed to work in any job. It just means that like your tasks are going to look a little different. Right. And on the flip side of that too, it's not like a generator is going to be the kind of person who just is like tip tapping away at the computer or like outside, you know, building a house. It's going to be that they um, will, you know, like take the entire day to do whatever it is that they need to do. And they'll be the go, go, go and not notice that they forgot, you know, to eat. Forgot to eat. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just because they were so absorbed in the thing that they were doing and they don't stop it until they're like, okay, I'm done for the day. Yeah. And for, for a lot of generators, it's, I find that procrastination is part of a generator experience. Mm. And I mean, like, I'm everybody procrastinates, but for, for me in particular, I will procrastinate on those uh-uhs that I should not be working on, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I'm putting it off because I shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Um, and, you know, things that we have to do, you know, paperwork, right. taxes, you know, 
contracts and all of that not fun mm-hmm. stuff um, is easier to deal with if you spent the majority of your day working on the work that actually lights you up you know as right, a generator yeah. like you are you have so much more capacity for the mundane shit that you have to do when you're actually just working on what you love yeah yeah great thing to keep in mind definitely and like you'll see like it's you'll it this is something like you can just like keep in mind like when you're interacting with other people because like you'll stop you'll kind of stop like seeing them in like your own confines you'll be like oh they're just supposed to be like this like this is just how they're how they are how they're supposed to be it makes it makes uh, interacting with people a lot easier right and if somebody is living in their type um you you will feel that sort of like why are they so cool you know yeah there's going to yeah. be that genuineness to them um yeah it's it's you really feel it when people move into that yeah. And like people who aren't living in their design, like you'll be like, oh, that's okay. I get it. They're just not living in their design. Right. Yeah. Like they'll make a lot, like it'll be easier for you to interact with those people as well, just because you're like, oh, I get it. You know, that's But if just you're a projector, don't tell them what to do. Don't tell them unless they ask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But do uh, tell them how much you love human design. Yes. Yes, exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. And, um, one little bit of advice for other projectors, this really helped me, was I read somewhere, it said, uh, who are you to take away someone else's life lesson? Mm. I was like, oh, fuck me. Yeah. And that really registered with me. That allowed me to really shut my trap yeah. on a lot of people's shit. So now I just listen. And, you know, another thing you can ask is, um, do you want, like, are you looking for solutions or do you just want me to listen? There's nothing wrong with that as a projector. That's a nice yeah. little tidbit. I use that all the time. Do you just want me to listen? Because I can do that. And yeah. then it just takes the pressure off of it. I'm um, the brother I always get in arguments with the most. He's another projector. So we're just two projectors telling each other what to do all the time and pissing each other off wow. literally all the time. Um, and then I'm, you know, my Ian, my sandwiched by like a, <laughs> yeah. a generator sister and an MG brother. Yeah. I know, right? Um, and then my fiance is also a projector, but we, we get along fine, the two of well, us, but we also yeah. respect each other. We don't like give advice where it's not wanted. So that I think is the key. Right. Yeah. And my partner's a generator too. And it's, yeah, it's, it's more like just checking in, like, hmm, is that really what you want to do? And giving each other the confidence to say, this is not what I should be working on. Yeah. And this, this would probably be a perfect segue into the authorities. No, we haven't told them um, the reflector celebrities. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So we'll want to edit that. So, in. Yeah. 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 We'll edit that. And so before I realize that reflectors, we've eaten up a lot of your time with advice for the other types, but I want to make sure we tell you who your famous reflectors are. And granted, we only got like three because reflectors are very rare. So, you know, you're, if I think they're like 1%. Of the yeah. population, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, the three I have for you, H.G. Wells. Wow, so very cool. I think that's really cool. Um, and then Sandra Bullock, huh. which I th- I think is interesting because like she really does like when like when she embodies a character, it's like you know, it's a something you know, like she really gets into the energy of another person. Um, and then. Dostoevsky. 
Oh my gosh, of course right? Dostoevsky is a reflector. Wow. Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, All of his work just like reflects like, you know, shit in society. Yeah. Perfect example for that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But that's sure. all I have for you guys. I'm sorry. Like, I wish Don't I had more. Don't be sorry. Thank you for being, <laughs> you know, really wonderful um, energy for the rest of us to to see the world through. Yeah. Yeah. You're so rare and beautiful. Yes. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. (laughs) No. Yeah. You guys are, you guys are really like truly powerful. And absolutely. once you step into that, like 29 day cycle, 28, 29 day cycle, you're going to feel amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And the people around you are going to be like me with, with my reflector friend that like the energy that we, you know, both bring into each other's lives is really transformative. Like you are you know, an agent for change for people. Yeah. And also keep in mind, it's okay to be in, it's okay to be inside all yes. the time. Like that's okay. You, you got, you don't have a lot of motors to keep you going. So it's fine to be an indoor cat. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've gotten through the different energy types, which uh, that alone is helpful enough. Um, let's get into the authorities. Cause that's really the only other thing you need to know as a beginner when it comes to human design. Yeah, I would say that knowing your type and knowing your authority are definitely the most important parts to get started with this um, because there can be different authorities within each of the types. So having the distinction between them definitely gives that understanding of how your chart is so personal and unique to you. Um, And I mean, like, that's really the whole point with human design is that it doesn't matter, you know, what type you are, that everything about your personality and the way that you interact with the world is wholly unique to you. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like, kind of like in our astrology episode, when we were talking about how all the other different planets in your chart affect your personality within the broad scope of your sun sign. This is very similar. So you can have like the same, you can be the same type as somebody else, but you need to arrive at your decisions in a slightly different way to others. So um, why don't we list out the, the authorities? How many are there? Seven? Is it seven authorities? Correct. Yes, there are seven. All right, let's list them out. Yeah. And then we can, and we can delve into each one. Yeah, absolutely. So First up is solar plexus um, or emotional authority. Second is sacral authority. After that is the spleen or the splenic authority, followed by the heart or the ego authority. Uh, Then you have the G or the self authority. After that is environment, which is no inner authority. And then after um, environment is the moon, and that is the lunar cycle authority. All right. So that means we're starting out with my authority then, which is emotional authority. So reflexes slash emotional authority. Yes. Yeah. And the reason that that is the first one is it's a new authority for humans. It's... Mm. um, the kind of like the most evolved, not to slight any of the other authorities, just because like it's different perspectives on um, decision-making and we really need all of them. Uh, Without getting into the centers too heavy, basically if you have that solar plexus 
right side triangle um, filled in, then that is your authority. Just doesn't matter what else is highlighted in your chart. That's that's the one that kind of rules everything else. Um, so share a little bit about what it, it feels like to have that because I don't have that center. Um, oh, oh boy. Yeah. So basically when it comes to emotional authority, the thing they tell you is that you have to, the, you have to ride the wave of your emotions. So for me, that looks like getting a lot of space from a big decision and taking time and being really patient and letting myself feel all the different feelings in order to arrive at a calm conclusion. So like I'll have moments where I swing into one emotion that's like angry, one that's acceptance, one that's sad, confused. Like I have to, I have to feel all these things and let them settle down basically. So the thing I always tell people who have emotional authority is that you tend to make your best decisions when you sleep on it. It's one of those things where like, if you wake up the next, most of the time when you wake up the next day, you know exactly what you want to do. So the best way to like make big decisions is to say, let me think about it. And sometimes it's smaller decisions. Like for me, I'm very, um, very uh, protective of my time and who I spend time with. So it's like that meme where it's like when you make plans two weeks in advance and then the day comes and then you're like, why did I do this to myself? So I like to say, can I get back to you on that? Can I check my calendar? Like I always say, or like, maybe let me get back to you. That's become a necessary part of my vocabulary. And I've had to get comfortable with the fact that I'm not somebody who can make a decision in the moment, like for the most part, unless it's like, you know, I'm in the grocery store. I want Cheetos, which <laughs> I mean is always a yes. So back to sometimes, Cheetos with me again. <laughs> sometimes you just need a constant. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cheetos so like, are your baseline. Yeah. <laughs> my, <laughs> for sure. So my, uh, so yeah, that's my big thing is that anytime I have a big decision, uh, space really helps me and like tuning into my emotions. And a lot of times, like for me, I'll process them with people. I have a pretty wide support network and they all know like people, well, for the most part, people know that I'm going to have the full range of emotions. And mm -hmm. at one point I'm going to be like, fuck this. I'm so angry. And then the next moment I'm going to be crying about it. Like, any breakup I've ever gone to has take has every any breakup I've ever like started. It took me like a good like one to two months to like arrive at that decision because I really needed to feel sad, feel angry, you know, feel good, want to stay for a little bit, and then like zero things out before I came to that decision. That's how I've made all my best decisions and just giving myself the permission not to commit in the moment has been absolutely life-changing for me. So, yeah. And it's definitely the kind of authority where it's okay to go to bed angry. Oh my God, yes. Always go to bed angry. You'll feel so much better the next day. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that that's just generally good advice, but I think it's especially good advice for folks with that um, emotional authority. Yeah. And like, as fun as making impulsive decisions can be, like, don't 
Just don't. I mean, unless it's something where it's like super low risk, like buying Cheetos, it's always low risk. Um, But in general, like if you have to make a fairly significant decision on something, do not do it impulsively. Like it's not your authority. The the other thing I would say in that is that like the only times that it's felt um, like the right response to answer in the moment is when I've been reflecting on some emotions for some time and then somebody proposes a solution or I come across something where I'm like, that's it. That's what I've needed. Mm. But that's, that's on the rare end. That's not usual for me. That's also not like truly impulsive. Yeah. And, and what I mean by like an impulsive decision is for um, you folks with emotional authority, when you're on like the high of that wave and everything feels awesome, you're like, how could this possibly go wrong? Mm, and you haven't yeah. been down into the bottom of the wave yet to really experience what is the bottom of it. Um, so yeah, you can't make a decision before you know exactly how high it goes and exactly how low it goes um, because it could cancel out or the low could be like basically non-existent. It could be baseline and then you've yeah. got your answer, but you, you really have to know the, the whole frequency of it. Yeah. Here's a great example. One time. So I like to say like, I'm an introvert, but I like to go out two times a year to go dancing. Okay. <laughs> like go out, out, like stay out after 11 p.m. Well, it's three times. So I say Halloween, New Year's Eve, and then I get a floater day. Okay. Okay. So one time I went out on Halloween. This is like a few, this is like five years ago. Went out on Halloween. It was like one of the best Halloweens. I was dressed up like biker chick poison ivy. I was very proud of this costume. It was so good. My friend put fake tat, flat, flake, bleh, fake flower tats all over me. It was amazing. Okay. So met up with my brother who's also a projector, but major extrovert. So mm-hmm. we went out, I had such a blast. We were having so much fun. And he was like, we need to do this again. You don't go out enough. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. Let's do it again soon. So I decided to go, I had committed to going out with him like a week or two later. Bad idea, bad idea. Cause in the moment I was like, of course I love dancing. This is amazing. Why wouldn't I? And then when I ended up going, I dragged my feet getting out of the house because I didn't want to go. And then I went out and I ended up being like, like leaving after like 30 minutes because I was just so overwhelmed by all of like the sensory input. And yeah. I left and everybody was mad at me. So like, that's a great example of like, I made that decision at the emotional high without taking the time to be like, you're actually a tired bitch. You don't want to go out again in two weeks. So, <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great example of that. Like I don't, I, I really try to stay away from those things. Even when I'm having a good time, I'll say that sounds like fun. I'll let you know tomorrow. Perfect. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's actually a really great segue into the sacral authority because for me, I, so that is my authority. Um, and it's a very common authority for generators. There are a lot of generators who do have emotional authority. Um, but, uh, sister's one of those, she's a generator with emotional authority. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very good friend who is also one. Um, but, uh, as a generator with a sacral authority, which is a, a pretty common pairing, um, I absolutely should be making impulsive decisions. Like I can basically only make decisions in the moment, um, thinking too far ahead 
on something, I actually don't have the opportunity to properly respond to it um, because the sacral authority is, it only recognizes present time, mm. right? It doesn't conceptualize past or future. Um, and that's not to say that you can never think about the future. Obviously, we all have to plan for the future, um, but you can only really respond to decisions about the future in the moment you're being asked. So like in the dancing question, that's going to always be a hard no for me. I don't dance. Um, I don't like staying out late <laughs> unless it is like a dive bar. Like I, that is. Oh yeah. Dive bars are like, I'm, they're like so cozy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give me a great old man drink. And like, yes. Um, although I do love, I love tiki drinks too. But if you ask me like, hey, let's get drinks after work or, you know, what are you doing tonight? You want to go and do this? I will be without a doubt able to say yes or no. Mm -hmm. And then Whereas I need to be like, ask me tomorrow. Like, I'll think about it. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's something where somebody is like, um, do you want to do that, you know, this, this weekend? Um, I will know in the moment whether or not I do want to, but it, it can be a little washy. Um, it's really easier for, for me to answer like in the moment, the day of engage my energy of it. Um, so, so let me think, um, a situation. So I, I have a question ahead. about that. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I want to say like my, I used to say this about my BFF from law school. She, I found out she's a generator with sacral mm -hmm. authority. And I was like, she, you can't make plans in advance with her. I would say it all the time. She'll always cancel. Something will always come up. I would say she's a last minute plans person. Like that's, that was the only way I could get her to hang out. So mm -hmm. but I have a question. How would you approach, um, how do you approach then longer term goals? Like say, like I'm thinking of moving cities or like, yada yada you know something like that that's like something that's a on a grander scale or would take a little more foresight admittedly um i'm not very good at that and mm. i and this is more specific to my chart but i am better at thinking about those kinds of things for other people than i am for myself mm. okay um so it's, it's difficult, right? Like, because how do you go about the world not thinking about what you're doing in the future? Um, and it's not that I don't, you know, like, for example, I know that eventually I want to have a child. And that is a very future-oriented thing, but I haven't yet because I haven't in the moment said, now's the time. Uh, okay. Yeah. That makes um, sense. And I guess and, like you could kind of zero in on the things that are yeses or nos. It's like, I may not like where I am now, but like, do I want mountains or beach? Yes or no? Like that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, right now I, so I'm currently living in Massachusetts, North of Boston. And, um, I know in this moment that I do not want to stay in the town that I'm in. Right. So that is, I've responded to it. I've lived here. I don't want to stay here. And so uh, my partner and I have gotten to a point of agreement on that. We're both generators. So we're both there, but we haven't chosen what's next. 
So we're not making plans to do it. And as soon as we do, as soon as our sacral authorities are like, yep, that's the place, um, then it's because we have that generator capacity yeah. of responding. It doesn't matter that it hasn't taken months of planning. You know, right. we, don't, we don't need months of planning. Once we know, then we execute and then that's it. And if um, you're living in your design, like things are going to happen a little more smoothly with a lot more flow. So oh, yeah. Just, just like we talked about with generators and the need to respond, if you're thinking about the universe as, as one of those tennis ball machines, it's like lobbing tennis balls at you like we talked about. It's going to keep lobbing the tennis balls at you for the long term, and you're just going to have to respond to those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gotcha. And like that, that has come up for us, like the questions about like the kind of place we want to be. We both see like deciduous forests and misty sort mm. of environments. We want. Um, what's a deciduous forest? Like, I don't know what that is. Uh, the leaves fall. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, Keeping her relatable, guys. Sure. <laughs> um, what are some tools that you use to help you make decisions? Just like, you know, I, I have to sleep on it. I tell myself all the time. How about you? What are you? What kind I of feel it in my use? body. I, mm. I have to feel it in my body. And usually I will have some kind of response to something. And people know me very well for this. Like if, if you tell me something and I have that author that sacral authority response, I'll be like, oh, yeah, yes, you know, like I will like <laughs> yell about it and like have like a very excitable, but it's not really words, right? It's just mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. And, you know, they write it as that, uh-huh. Um, and it doesn't verbalize that way for me, but it, it will for a lot of people like that, mm, like that, fuck yes. And it's a feeling, right? Yeah. Um, and if it's a no, it's usually like everything in me tightens, like tons of constriction. And I'm just like, mm. Mm, 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 you know, yeah, you're very, you're very verbal. So is my sister. She's like, yeah. you know, she always makes um, noises like that. Like she's always like, even when she's eating, she's like, mm, mm, like she'll do that over and over again, which is, oh, yeah. I love it. I think it's so cute. So yeah, no, my eating faces <laughs> are just, but like the other thing. So part of my conditioning is that I, um, have difficulty verbalizing, um, like negative things. I don't like confrontation mm. because I have that open solar plexus. And so if it's something negative where I'm like responding negatively to something that's been offered to me, I hide it. So my face will show it, but I won't necessarily verbalize it or I won't necessarily go that, mm -mm, you know, I, but my face will definitely show that yeah. because I can't control it. It's, it's my authority. Yeah. I, I, yeah, you know, um, my sister has resting bitch face like nobody else. So, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah she's there. You know, when she doesn't like something, even if she's trying to be polite. So. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. generated with the sacral authority. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got the emotional authority. Oh, she but has she's, the emotional. Yes. Yeah. She has ah. emotional as well, but she still um, has that, those uh, verbal needing to tap into those like verbal feelings. Like we do that activity all the so time. So does she, this will probably want to edit out, but does yeah. she, she has an open throat. I don't remember. I'm going to have to look it up. She I must mean, because otherwise yeah. she would be an MG, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she can, she knows her emotions and she rides them, but she doesn't necessarily verbalize them. Mm, yeah. So that's like her big thing now. But anyway, so 
with generators, a good tip, like, and I, my sister gave this to me from a podcast that she heard. I'll have to get the link to it so you guys can check it out. I know it's an essential oils podcast. Interestingly enough, it's like, I think it's essential oils for human design. I think that's what it's called, but huh. yeah, talk about niche, but very, <laughs> um, so that's, that's a projector. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's an activity where you ask yourself a list of questions or somebody else can ask you and you ask a few that you know the answer to already. So it's like, do, do you like coffee? Do you like, do you like red? Do you like mountains? And you can only respond to those things with uh-huh or uh-uh. So you have to go tap into those like nonverbal responses and then you build up to the question you really want to ask. And then you're because you've like kind of tuned into your body and those natural responses, you get a lot of clarity and you typically know the answer right away or you need it rephrased. Yes. Yeah. Rephrasing is definitely important if you are not feeling an answer. Um, definitely get a rephrase. The other thing for, so it's the uh-huh or uh-uh thing has been hard for me to personally to connect with. Um, like I usually just like, I guess growl <laughs> stuff, you know, in like a positive way or a negative way. And that's, you know, that's kind of hard to put into writing, but, um, yeah, adapt it to, to what feels natural to you. Right. Yes. And the other thing is that I definitely like, I feel it in my body and I feel mm -hmm. it in my gut literally to the point of digestion. Like if I am, if I have made a decision that goes against my strategy and I'm not listening to my authority, I get an upset stomach. Like oh. it's, it's really in that like, you know, lower digestion sort of, yeah, like I, I get, I get physically sick and, um, leaning into human design is actually like very healthy for my gut. And when I've, been in flow in it, have had, you know, like just wonderful improvement and can tell like within, you know, six to 12 hours if I didn't listen correctly because I've got that upset stomach. Wow. And yeah. So there, there is something to like the actual physical part of your body that your that your authority is centered in. Um, so yeah, if you feel like, like your guts tighten up or something like that, like that, that's part of it too. Um, I always say too, like, um, this is something I use in my career coaching, but it's especially apt for generators. If you have sacral authority, how to tell you're not living in your design. If you feel sick a lot, like you think you're sick or you feel like you're sick a lot. And, yes. And that's, that's a trademark of generators, yes. but especially those with sacral authority. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it is, I will say that that is, and this will kind of help us segue a little bit into the next authority, um, that that sick feeling is pretty common with folks with splenic authority too, but it manifests a little bit differently. So for um, sacral, author sacral authority folks, that sickness will be like very gut related, whereas with splenic folks, it's more immunity related. Hmm. Um, and then in general for generators, it's also tied to energy. If you are feeling over fatigued or you're yes. feeling like, um, like adrenal fatigue, um, 
that that fatigue is is definitely very t- closely tied to not living in your authority for a generator. Yeah, I've seen that with any, like all of my generator clients who are in the wrong career. They all feel the same way. It's like they tell me the same thing. It's so hard for me to get up in the morning. Yeah. It's hard for me to fall asleep. Like I wake up a lot. Like yeah. that. That's just like across the board. But yeah. so explain to us what splenic or splenic. I know pr- people pronounce it different ways. Um, what what is that? So this is a really sort of, it's kind of ephemeral. So a splenic authority is definitely of the authorities, the most intuitive. It is just a knowing. So with a sacral authority, you are feeling it in your body. With a splenic authority, you're not feeling it in your body necessarily. So but directly. it's also, yeah, it's not emotional. Mm, I've seen it described as like a survival instinct. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Yes. It's kind of fight or flight. I have heard folks with splenic authorities like described a decision as a taste. Mm. Um, so you will like almost hear it or taste. It's sensory. It's a sensory thing, but not, it's like extra sensory, right? It's, it's, kind of psychic. Um, but it, it's not it because it's a response to your environment. And it's so it's hard to it's even harder to put into words than a sacral authority because it isn't related to words. Um, it's I have a friend who's got splaining authority and all of her reactions to her decisions are very extreme. So it's like when it's a no, it's like a feeling like she might die if she says yes to something. She's just, mm. it's very survivalist based for yeah. her. And I mean, she has a background with a lot of trauma and a lot of situations in which she did have to let her survival instincts kick in. Um, and it's that like, what it, it is fight, flight, or freeze. So like for her, it's like yeah. she understands like what direction to run in based on like, is this making me feel one of these ways? You yeah. know? So, so that's like, yeah, it's an interesting one. Cause it's not, it's almost like, um, it's going to vary person to person. Like it's going to be so, um, so different right. across the and people who have that. It's an instinct. And the thing that's really important, if you have a splenic authority that you, um, make the decision when you have the reaction, because if you wait to make the decision, you will not get it back. Mm, that's, like you, that's interesting. Yeah. So if you, if you can't answer in the moment, just remember how you instinctually responded and save it for whenever the, the decision actually has to be made. Um, but like it's, it's so instinctual that you can't say, I'll tell you in the morning, you know, and it, it, you really, it you can tell them in the morning, but you're going to have to decide when you decide. There's no, exactly. there's no deciding on any kind of timeline. Like you can with an emotional authority or a sacral authority, it's going to be, it's just going to happen when it happens. I think a great activity for determining how does your your individual splenic authority show up is to go back and look at decisions you've made in the past, both good decisions and bad decisions, and zero in on how it felt when you knew it was right 
and zero in on like what fell off when you said yes to something that wasn't aligned? Like what part of your body were you ignoring or what sense were you ignoring? Like, was it, you know, so it's kind of like how people describe their psychic gifts. It sounds, it's different to everybody. Um, but it's going to be like a weird, vague sensation you can't qu quite describe. So like literally just analyze your past decisions and that's going to help you kind of get a little clarity on how that decision making shows up for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything that's, that's so like ephemeral like that, um, it's, it's really good to think on past, um, it is difficult for some folks to, because of these authorities, like with a sacral authority or a splenic authority, just because they're so present oriented, it's hard for them to conceptualize the past. Um, but if you, if you have like that specific target where you're weighing, like, I'm really glad I did that and think about what it, it felt like back then, um, you should be able to, to find that pretty well, but don't rely on it. Um, yeah, just because may, you are, yeah. you're meant to live in the present and you're meant to respond in the present. So um, take past or future with a grain of salt. Yeah, I would like list out those times that were like fuck yeses and then like no's you ignored and even like times you felt good about saying no about about something and free write. Just free write about it on like the on and see what comes up. You just, you're going to need clues. And as long as you're like inquisitive moving forward in how you make decisions and how it feels like, and how you, like how that decision showed up for you, you can start dialing into your own unique way of deciding. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next on our list? Next is ego authority. Now, ego authority is an interesting one. It's actually split into two. So both come from the same place, but show up differently depending on who it's for. So you have, um, they're both heart-centered. And your first ego authority is the manifested authority. So manifestors, that's you. And the other ego authority is projected. And that's so. Ian. So I can talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so main thing for the manifested, um, ego authority, that heart centered ego, um, is that you will have no problem knowing your decision because it's already come out of your mouth. Yeah. Like there's, there's no hesitation. You are meant to trust your voice as the decision maker. Whatever you said, that's your decision. If you feel like you need to go back on it, that's a pressure from outside. That's not your truth. Especially um, because like your strategy is to inform. So mm -hmm. like typically it's like by informing, you're going to hear your decision. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult for folks with that, um, not only that type, and strategy, but to have that as their authority, we are all taught so um, fervently that we're supposed to think about our decisions. And with this authority, you are not. You don't need to think yeah. about. I mean, with any of the authorities, you're not supposed to think. It's gonna. It's gonna like go into big the, quotes. Think right. It's gonna go into the realm of over analyzing. Like you yes. do not need to be engaging in that. You always know what's best for you. 
And if you're going back on it, it's be, it's just because somebody's placed doubt in your mind or it's just like mental chatter you don't need. Exactly. With this authority, trust your voice above everything else. Yeah. And that's um like, you know, not not diving too far into the centers, but that's because you're able like having that defined throat center means that like you know, there's, there's, it's basically like you think through your mouth. <laughs> like That's how you're going to like come to your decisions. But that's like the problem for projected, um, projected ego or what is it? How do you say it? Ego, proje- ego projected. Heart, yeah, yeah. Ego projected authority. Yeah. That's harder for projectors because since they don't have an activated throat center, you have to like, what I have found being in a relationship with someone who's ego projected, I have to like pull it out of him. And it's not from a place of like him not knowing. It's like, I have to ask him questions so he can talk about what's on his mind, not so he can hear my responses, but so he can hear how he talks about it. Mm -hmm. So it's still through his voice, but the problem is that like, he, he's not as um, in tune with what his voice is. So I got to like ask a lot. Of, like, honestly, when, when he needs to like make a decision, like when we were first dating, like it drove me insane. I was just like, I give you all this advice. You come talk to me about stuff and then you do what you want anyway. It's so annoying. Then when I found this and I was like, oh, he needs to just like, he's talking to me because he needs to hear how he is talking about it. Like, it has nothing to do with my responses at all. So from that, I shifted to, I just ask questions. And then right. I, and, and if he's struggling, I'll be like, but listen to how you just said it. You said this, like, that sounds important to me. What do you like? What else? Like, why did you say that? So yeah. it's about like pointing him back to his own voice. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the biggest distinction between these two versions of the ego authority is that the, um, manifested ego authority has to has it already coming out of their mouth, like it's already out. Um, whereas the projected authority needs it pulled out. Yeah, that's exactly exactly it. I would say, like ha- being with somebody where I see this play out, he's got to talk to me, maybe another friend, maybe a parent, and just see how he talks about it with each person. Right. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not automatic um, for him to, and folks with this authority for it to automatically be verbalized with the manifested ego authority. It is automatically verbalized. There's no, um, you know, sort of stop with that. It's just already out. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Okay. What, so does that lead us to environment? Is that where we're that no, the next is the self-projected authority. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, so is that wait, didn't we just do that? Or no? No. No. Okay. So what's the difference between self and ego? Because those sounds like they would be similar. So the interesting thing about the self-projected authority is that it is like the manifested ego authority Mm. and that the goal is to trust your voice and only your voice, but it comes from a different place. Oh, okay. So in the heart-centered ego authority, 
you are coming from a motor of the heart, which that's again, getting into centers, which we're not going to, you know, bog you guys down with in this episode, but because it's coming from the heart space, it's uh, a little bit more action and energy oriented and is unique to manifestors, right? Whereas the self-projected authority is a projector phenomenon where um, they can automatically speak what they know. And it's this, it, the function is the same, but it comes from the, a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the instances of both of those, you need to trust your voice. So how's that different from self, the self-authority or is that the same thing? It's basically the same thing, but one is coming from the heart center and the other is coming from the G center. And one is manifestors, whereas the other is projectors. So self-projected self, uh, is only projectors and it's from the G center, not the heart center. Correct. Okay. But with an ego projector, it's coming from the heart center. Correct. Okay. And the functions of the G center versus the heart center are really where the nitty gritty of that comes in and how they are definitely very different. Um, the heart center is, um, well, we're not going to get to, we're not going to get into centers. It's, it's just yeah. going to bog you guys down. But um, so how does somebody with um, a self, like a self authority, how are they best going to come to decisions? They have to listen to their voice. They have to listen to what comes out of their mouth. The main thing on this too is that it is so, it's much easier for a self-projected authority to get bogged down with conditioning. Mm. Much more, it's much more um, difficult to to get past conditioning for this type than it is for the um, ego manifested authority. Um, Just because like basically projectors we're tired all the time and it's because like we're super sensitive to sensory input and that means like just like just like it can be draining to go to a concert or go be in a bunch of crowds or something it's the same thing with coming to decisions like you don't want too much input you don't want to take the advice of other people if you're going to be deciding on something and you're going to talk to them about it your focus needs to be on you, not on their opinion. So what's funny is that I don't know what my brother's, what my brother's authority is, but he's a projector. And I always say that he doesn't know what he wants to do until he has a fight with my dad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because he's got to like, you know, it's like he almost doesn't know what he wants until he has to argue, until he has to defend it. So I guess that that's a good example is that, you know, he knows what he wants, but it's not until it enter until it exits his mouth that he really uh, is able to, to realize it. So, yeah. And I mean, in that particular um, example, it sounds very much like the, the self-projected authority versus the ego manifested authority. Like it's, for for that it really is it's voice related and because there aren't any energy sources in a person with this authority they don't have any of the 
centers that are called motors that generate energy for them. He's feeding on the energy of your dad in that yeah. case. And so um, because of that, like being able to use his voice and pull energy from the environment around him, he can get momentum that way. Um, but yeah, the, the really the important thing is to listen to what comes out of your mouth, mouth first. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. It's so, it's so fascinating what all of this is. Yeah. The, and like really the, the truth of all of this is to say it's not something that you're supposed to capital T think about. Yeah. Um, that it's, it's much more, um, it's more trust and surrendered based, but like really trusting yeah. yourself and like yeah. surrendering to what feels right to you. And practicing this and, you know, maybe making decisions with your authority in low stakes decisions and gaining that confidence in yourself will really help with the bigger ones where you would have typically like labored over them. It'll be much more fluid and much easier to come to those decisions. And the decisions will end up being not only the right ones, but they'll, they'll feel right for you and everybody around you. Because the more that you live in your um, type and your strategy and listen to your authority, the easier it is for the folks around you to do it too. Um, there's a, just that extra confidence that comes with it is amazing. Um, I do want to, because now we're getting into some really interesting stuff, like where is this decision actually coming from? Um, I want to get into the environment authority. Yes. Perfect. I love this one. I like that you call it the environment authority because, um, you'll hear this also referred to as like mental authority, like mental projectors. Um, or you'll see it as like no authority, like no inner authority. Some, some, uh, graphs will show it to you that way. Right. Um, But I like, I like thinking about it as an environmental authority. It's, it's much clearer. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it really illustrates, um, where these decisions are actually coming from. So when I say environment authority, what I mean is how you are, um, responding to your environment. So, the analogy of brunch, you know, if you are going to brunch and you hate everything about what's going on, it's, it's a pretty clear indication that that is not a good environment for you. And when you are in an environment that is not good for you, you will not make decisions that are good for you. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we've talked about, or maybe we haven't, but like, you don't need to like stress over a brunch invitation, you know, like a lot of this is going, I mean, like, it's good to practice. We were talking about like practicing with low stakes decisions. So you, so say like, you know, you, you can accept a brunch invitation if it sounds good, you know, whatever, go for it. But if you, if you're in that environment and you're feeling shitty, you need to be able to pinpoint, is it the company or is it the restaurant or is it my city? Like, you know, you have to like that feeling, you need to kind of be an investigator and figure right. out like you need what to is say, it. yeah, you need to pay attention to how you're responding to the environment. So we had brought up the brunch analogy for folks, um, for re- um, reflectors who need right, to right. 28 days for the, this analogy holds true for these environmental authority folks in that like, you're not, you're not saying that 
Um, so it's, it's probably better illustrated with work, right? Because a lot okay. of people, this is where a lot of struggle comes in for folks is their job, right? You know, and if we're not living in our authority uh, or if we're not listening to our authority, not living in our type, um, chances are we're going to be working somewhere we don't actually want to work or doing a job that we don't actually want to do. So in the case of an environment authority, if you're at work and you're just miserable the entire time you're there, no matter what day it is, it's probably the job itself. Um, if you're there and it's like some days you're really in it and some days you're like, get me out of here. There's another part of the environment that's a problem. And if you're paying attention to your environment and you're saying, okay, the days that I really feel disconnected and I don't want to be here are the days that so-and-so is working, you know? Mm, and so that person yeah. is part of your environment and you can say, okay, I either need to find a way to, um, you know, mitigate my interactions with this person. I need to work on fewer projects with them or, you know, like whatever the decision is, at least you know that that's the part of your environment that is impacting your decisions. And if you're, if you don't make the effort to change the environment, chances are you're going to be making a lot of decisions that you're not going to end up happy with. Yeah. Um, and the same thing goes, if you're living in a city that you don't actually like living in, you're not going to make any decisions that are great. It's your entire environment. Um, so, you know, start thinking about or travel to places that you're curious about and actually spend time in the environment um, and make some low stakes decisions while you're there. And if you find that you're like really happy with the decisions that you're making, maybe that's a place that you should consider moving. Um, same thing with friends and, um, you know, partners and, and family, you know, pay attention to how you're reacting to that environment. And I mean, not always do we get to choose who we're around all the time. Same with work. Like you, you know, don't have control over getting rid of that coworker that you're not agreeing right. with. But, um, but it could be a good opportunity for you to practice boundary setting with that coworker. Yes, right. Exactly. And practicing boundary setting with any people in your life is definitely important for an environment authority. Like you, you may want to keep people in your life, but you can't have them around all the time because they're muddying up the way that you're making decisions. Um, and you, and like dating is going to be a good example for this. Like on a first date, maybe like cueing in, like, am I feeling like, am I hating this because of the venue? Am I hating this because, or am I hating this because of the person? You know? Actually, I would say if you are an environment authority and you are going on a first date, you 10 out of 10 times need to pick the venue. Do not let the other person pick the venue, period. Yeah, because that way you'll you'll be clearer on whether you like them or not. If you're in an exactly. environment you like, yeah. exactly, exactly. I love and if that. you if you are going to a new place, like you're trying out a new restaurant, go with people you know are a good environment for you. And if you mm -hmm. get there and you're like, nope, I don't want to eat here. I don't like this. Trust it because you're gonna have a miserable time no matter who you're with. Yeah. Yeah. So good yeah, advice. Yeah, it's a good way because I know that um, these people struggle a lot as well because so many people describe it as like no inner authority. Right. Yeah. No. This is it. It, it can be a tricky one to navigate because it feels so outside of you, 
and it is, it is outside of you. Um, you know, you're not like, you know, feeling it in your gut. You're not, it's just, you know, how your body is feeling in the environment, but it's also a really incredible authority to have, you know, that you can just surrender decision-making to trusting where you are. It's, it's a really beautiful way to curate a life, right? Like you can so keenly hone in on what makes you feel at home. And when you're at home, you're in flow and you're making decisions that are right for you. And it's trust. It's trust and surrender, just like any of the other ones, but where it's coming from is going to be key. I think also um, probably like really like understanding what surrender to your environment looks like would be helpful. Like reading this surrender experiment Mm, might give you um, some good idea, even though that does not talk about human design, does not talk about any of that. But I think having an example of what it looks like to respond to your environment of like, you know, uh, just saying yes, yes or no to opportunities that come your way and really understanding what surrender is and like tuning into like where you want to be. A lot of that is like very, that book is very uh, nature focused, like somebody who wanted to be away from other people, but then like, you know, ended up expanding and like having some people around. Like, I think it's actually, despite the fact that it doesn't involve human design or that language at all, I think would be very helpful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Now, my question, I have a question. Would these people benefit from like asking for signs, like from their spirit guides or, you know, their higher power or something like, or even paying attention if they see repeating numbers, you know, are are signs going to be helpful for these people or no more helpful than any other sign? I would say that... Yes, it would be helpful, um, but I would practice it because that is a sense that um, I would practice it with low stakes decisions first um, okay. because that is signs will show up different ways and it's really personal how they will show up. Um, so somebody with an environment authority asking for signs you may see signs in all sorts of different places and say that, you know, you're looking for numbers, but the decisions that you're making when you start seeing repeating numbers aren't really quite the decisions that are best for you. Maybe you need to take a look at, you know, colors that are coming up instead or, Mm -hmm. you know, like play with it just like you have to fine tune what is a good environment for you to be in. You also have to fine tune what signs are the correct signs for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, like, that's just good psychic advice. Folks who are looking for signs, you need to, you know, pick it's gotta some be look. specific. Yeah. It's got to be specific. It's also going to be so personal to you. You may hear of somebody who's like, oh my God, every time I see 333, I know that something is coming later in the day. That's not just because you see 333 doesn't mean that that's the response that you're going to yeah. have because somebody else did. So you, you're, it's like finding your handwriting. Ah, yes. That's such a great, great example. You kind of have to like evolve into it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, practice with low stakes decisions and see what signs come up. And if you're 
asking for it and you're not seeing them, um, let go a little bit, stop asking for them. And because you'll, you're probably getting- and Stop them. searching. Yeah, stop searching for them. Allow yeah. them to come to you. Yeah, and chances are that you're getting them. You're just not realizing that's what they are. And that's okay. You know, it, it, takes, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, just an immediate thing. Um, yeah. except for kids. <laughs> <laughs> so our psychics. That's true. And then we condition yeah. it out of them, but that's mm-hmm. a, that's a, to- uh, that's tangent. another topic. Yeah. yeah. We'll get into that in a different episode. Um, so I think that's, um, they share the people with environmental authority share a similar frustration to people with the lunar authority. Just, just because like, where it is it coming feels, from? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great segue into it. Oh, yeah. And so this, there is a parallel between that environment authority and being a reflector, because the only mm-hmm. people with a lunar authority are reflectors, um, and environment is key for them. But the authority is not coming from the environment. Right. Um, your your type and your strategy is influenced by your environment, but your decision-making is really based in that 28-ish day lunar cycle. And the reason for that, and this is so cool, I absolutely love this, you reflectors out there, you are like- You're magic. So magical. Um, The reason that it is a lunar authority is what happens over the course of the lunar cycle is that the moon moves into all of the gates, which we're not going to get into gates too heavy um, for this episode, but I do want to talk about them here. So the gates are on the wheel of the um, sky, so to speak, because it follows astrology a bit. Um, So the moon moves past each of these gates in its cycle around... um, the earth, right? And so as it moves past each of these gates, you get a flavor of each of those gates, which means that as a reflector, you get to put on a new hat every single day of what everybody else is experiencing and you get to do it every month. And the reason that that is your decision-making um, sort of guide is when you get each day to try on a new perspective from the moon, sort of like channeling this to you, that new perspective each day is going to give you a little extra clarity, a little extra clarity, a little extra clarity until you've gone through the entire cycle and you say, you know what? After that particular day, I was like, yes, that was, that was the most comfortable I felt during this whole process. And that's where my decision is going. Yeah. A great, I know, um, I know Jordan Younger of the Balanced Blonde. She had a podcast episode with Jenna Zoe, which I'll link to, but she's a reflector. Jordan Younger is. And she talked about how her parents put her in a different school for like a month or something because she had wanted to go to this particular school. And after a month, she was like, nope, want to go back to my old school. And Mm -hmm. She had like a child psychologist at the time who was like, this is just how she makes decisions. Like this is who she is. So encourage that, allow her to follow it. And it wasn't from a human design perspective, but it was the advice she needed that her parents needed that this is how she makes decisions. She has to live through 
an experience to arrive at the right choice. Yes. So I think that's a great example. Like if oh, you're putting your, yeah, if you're putting your child in a school, they may not, and they're a reflector, they may not know that this is the right environment for them until they've hit that like 28 to 30 day mark. That is absolutely such a beautiful example of that. And it can feel really, really, um, easy, easy to discourage or easy Mm. to be discouraged in that kind of decision-making, um, process just because it's in a negative way can be construed as flighty, right? Like you Mm. decided this a month ago. Why are you changing your mind? You are not changing your mind. You're finally making up your mind. And if you are surrounded by people who are making you feel bad about that, it's okay to make boundaries with those people. Um, and you also don't need to necessarily broadcast that you're waiting to make a decision. Um, I would suggest that for reflectors to kind of build those boundaries with people so that you can take the space to really lean into your authority and, and listen to it. Um, keep bigger decisions. And I mean, this is just generally good advice. Keep bigger decisions out of other people's ears. Don't mm. tell them that, that you're considering. That you're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, con- don't tell them that you're considering something um, until you've gone through that 28 day cycle. And if it's something where somebody wants a decision right away, um, first of all, like eventually you're going to get comfortable enough with this that if you make people wait, they will be willing to wait. I know that that's, you know, an ideal place to be and you're probably not going to be there right away. Um, but the other thing that you can do is say, you know, I feel like this might be a good thing right now, but I might change my mind later. Um, and just be honest about that, you know, just say like, I feel really good about this, but like, I'm not completely there yet. So if I'm not there, you know, in the future, try to understand and just be honest with folks about that. And if they don't like it, that's a them thing. Yeah, that's them. Don't, don't let them like, don't let them piss you off. Like that's how you, you were literally designed to make decisions this way. So. Right. And if something is, um, if they're reacting in a negative way about this, and if they're putting that on you because you're a reflector, you are literally a mirror for them. You yeah. can take solace in the fact that their frustration or their anger or their bitterness, depending on what their type is, is completely them and not you. Yeah. Yeah. Just get comfortable making people a little uncomfortable sometimes. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you. It's it's them working through their own shit. Yeah. And you might find some good advice in our uh, Moon Phases episode on how you can reflect because we talk a lot about like how the different Moon Phases cause us to like reflect on different things. And so I think that that might be a good guide for you, especially yeah. if you're going to like journal out your feelings or you're going to like reflect on certain aspects of a decision. That's, that would be a great resource for you. Yeah, absolutely. 
And Kaylee, you recent, like you have a coworker who's a reflector who started doing this. Yes. Yeah. So he, um, started doing this as soon as I told him, he was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. That is it. And put it into practice immediately did not make a decision for 28 days. And I mean, like right away, you know, he's like, Nope, I'm doing this. This is how I want to be. And, um, bless that kind of confidence, right? Oh my gosh. I know what a, <laughs> what a great way to live. But, um, he, after that 28 days said, this is the best decision I've made. Wow. I will. That's so cool. It, it was so cool. And it's so empowering to see. And it was really, really fascinating watching him go through the entire cycle um, because he would check in with me. He's like, Kaylee, where are the, the planets today? What's going on? You know, and was making sure to ask like, hey, what's the environment that I'm stepping into today? And to to watch him navigate that and then come to an appropriate decision afterwards. It's just, yeah, it's so empowering. And that's really what this whole thing is about. Like the whole reason to learn about your energy type and your authority is just to make it like a little bit easier to get into flow in the world. That's yeah. it. It's like, it's all on you. It's just like, you can finally surrender like that overthinking and like, just trust like your brain isn't in the driver's seat. There's something else that you need to be like surrendering to that's going to allow you to find that flow better. And that's like, that's the whole reason we wanted to talk about this. Not just that, but we want to, like when we bring on guests, we're asking them like, what's your energy type? What's your authority? Because there may be things that, that they say that can give you little bits of nuggets of advice based on what your type is. Yep. Absolutely. So I think that's everything for us yeah, today. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lot of information for you guys, but I really hope you walk away from this feeling um, like you know yourself better and that you can walk away feeling a lot more empowered about certain decisions that you have to make um, and to let go a little bit. Cause like to be trained from, you know, being tiny, tiny humans that we have to think about things and we have to use our words and, you know, do all of these things that are not natural for us, step away from this, comfortable that you don't have to, and that there are practical and tactful ways for you to not have to do it anymore. Yeah. Get back to who you are, who you, yeah. who you knew you were when you were a kid. Yeah. And who you're meant to be, who you chose to be. Yeah. And be patient because I know I read in that doozy of a textbook, they say it takes about like seven years to decondition. So even just like yeah. working in your like energy type and your authority, like you're going to, it's going to be a bumpy road because you're not always going to, like you're going to forget to make decisions from that place. And that's just part of the process. It's a, it's a long road to travel. Like, you yeah. know, the moments that you're learning about it is really powerful, but like set your timer for seven years from today. Cause that's yeah. uh that's going to be the length of time it takes for you to, un, to un decondition as they exactly. say. You weren't conditioned in a day, so you're not going to decondition in a day either. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And we're still very fresh into our practices as well. Like we've, we both only discovered human design within the past year. So we're right along there with you. Yeah. So I hope you also enjoy hearing our journeys on this and please ask us questions. Like oh God, I am yes. absolutely transparent in all of my successes and failures. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, we, definitely. We both are open books. So, you know, you can find us, like come email us. We've got like our email is witchplease at millennialmysticspodcast.com. If you've got questions or you want us to bring on guests about like anything with human design, or you can hit us up on Instagram. We're at Millennial Mystics there on Twitter is M Mystics Pod. We've got it. We're wherever wherever there is social media, we are there. Come find us. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, please don't forget to rate and review. That helps us get into more people's ears. So let us know. Let us know what you're thinking. Yeah. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Jack Da Silva for our dope ass intro music, Lindsay Allman for our transcendent logo and cover art, and Hope Clinton for her superb audio editing. Tune in every Friday for the latest episode, and don't forget to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.